0: Who speaks first? you speak or I speak
1: <laughs> You talk first, I talk first.
0: Yeah, you talk first I talk first.
1: Hello, Steven. We
0: remember the Star Wars thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because even it's though it's been
1: a we... week since we saw the since we saw The Force Awakens. We
0: saw The Force Awakens on New Year's Eve day, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Which was like No, it wasn't last time, because we finished off the Reign of Terror on New Year's Eve. As well. What a busy day that was. It was a busy day. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we um we did Terra, and then we did Planet of Giants, and mm-hmm. then we did one episode. No, we didn't do one episode. We did Rose. Rose. And then we did one episode of um, The Dalek Invasion of Earth, and that was mm-hmm. like three weeks ago.
1: It's been a while. It's so, been a busy few weeks.
0: It's been a busy few weeks, mostly because we've been addicted to Grand Theft Auto V.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a crime... I was going to say crime-fighting duo, crime-creating. No, creating. we are... Yeah,
1: we're a crime-committing duo. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: A couple of sexy names in that video game. Mm-hmm. Up well, to no good.
1: Grand Theft Auto Five online, I should have you, because yeah, I I don't like that game. I no,
0: think. no, 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 but uh, yeah, so that's what we've been biding our time with, so we decided to watch the remaining five episodes mm-hmm. of the Dalek Invasion of Earth in one go.
1: Well, we didn't actually decide to sit and watch all of them, I no. thought we would just do a couple, and you know, we sat down and I started getting sleepy, so I assumed it would be our usual.
0: <laughs> it was like at 9.30. <laughs> Not even. It was like nine. I, I, I said it was kind of like a Pavlovian response mm-hmm. where the second we start doing it, even if we did this in the afternoon, you would start to get sleepy because you associate sleepiness with doing Lazy Doctor Who. <laughs> I
1: guess maybe.
0: Or vice versa.
1: Yep. But I didn't. I just didn't want to stop.
0: I know. every Every – you're always my – I mean, in this whole podcast, you're always sort of the – Driving force I mm-hmm. want to see what your reaction is And so mm-hmm. after every episode I always want to watch more mm-hmm. I look over at you <laughs> You'll just want it Like there's never any doubt That we're going to watch all But you know no. Once you do four
1: Yeah right We weren't and- going to leave One last episode <laughs>
0: Exactly No yeah.
1: definitely not
0: So yeah. yeah The Daleks Day of Reckoning The end of tomorrow I'm not doing this from memory I'm reading it off the screen mm-hmm. uh, The waking ally But which we'll discuss And uh, Flashpoint, Flashpoint. Yep. There you go what do mm-hmm. you think of all that?
1: Well, first, I, I just want to point out that I think my Pavlovian sleepiness mm-hmm. actually kind of worked in my favor because you know it wasn't actually late enough at night that I was legitimately sleepy, so I wasn't falling asleep. I wasn't my eyes weren't closing as they sometimes do no. uh, when I get really tired, but I was a little bit kind of just zoned out. Not so much that I couldn't pay attention, but just enough that I put myself in sort of like this happy place. Like I was just like, I was in the Doctor Who zone. And usually I, you know, probably wouldn't do or recommend watching five episodes of, you know, serialized 60s television all in one go because that's not the way it was meant to be seen. But because I was sort of in this other, not otherworldly, other minded sort of state, Mm -hmm. I was able to just sort of. I don't know. Roll with it, kind of.
0: I got you. Yeah, I am.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't getting bored by all of the nonsense and running around that we had. And can't remember if it was episode two or three, but there was a lot of time where if I had been a hundred percent wide awake and alert, right. I don't know that I would have wanted to watch another episode immediately after that. Okay. Um, there were a few scenes like that, like. uh I don't remember which. Is the problem with doing so many episodes at once is it's hard to remember yeah. what happened when, but nah, whatever. But, but yeah, this, which the, the one that had, uh, then it all, uh, the early one where there's a lot of running around and nonsense, there was that. But then there was later with uh, Barbara pushing. Dortmund. Him. Pushing him around in his wheelchair, actually running, running through the streets yeah. um, surrounded by stock footage. And. No! That was not stock footage that was not stock footage no, anymore. that was the one that they were surrounded by footage of the Daleks running around, yeah there was a lot of stock footage in some of the other episodes i 'm getting
0: other up episodes, up. yeah, like explosions and stuff yeah
1: Mm-hmm. yep, yeah. yep, but that was uh, it was there was a lot of a lot of running um, the Dalek stuff I mean it was really cool, mm-hmm. especially you know being in that sort of like not not quite a sleep fa- state right um, it was really fun to watch all of those shots of the Daleks in in front of um, iconic. London scenery especially since we were just in London a couple yeah. of months ago and we were in those places and now I'm like oh I got so giddy mm-hmm. uh just watching it watching it appear in front of me but I, again I think if I would have been totally awake and alert for that I would have gotten kind of kind of bored after all of it really yes. those
0: uh those scenes are are cool because um you know they they shot them like seven in the morning on a Sunday.
1: I wondered how they got, yeah, like, there was know, no crowd control Bridge in those days. That's,
0: that's why in the very mm-hmm. last shot, you got to see someone sort of walking in the yes. background a little bit. Yep. Um, but those are, I mean, did you notice like all like Nelson's column in Trafalgar Square mm-hmm. and a couple other places, they have like Dalek graffiti on them. Yes. That is, you know, think about when this was, when this aired, uh, December, 1964, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years after world war two. Uh, you know, 1940s when the Battle of Britain, when, when the bombings were, were at, at full bore in, in World War II, when the Germans bombed. So that's like 24 years ago. That's basically like, like something happening in 1992. Wow. And us watching something related to that.
1: Holy cow.
0: You know? So how... You know, how close the UK was to being taken over by the Nazis in World War II and how real that mm-hmm. threat was for a lot of the viewers at the time. So to see the Daleks walking through, raising their, mm-hmm. oh, uh, their yeah. suckers like Nazi salutes um, mm-hmm. around like mm-hmm. famous London landmarks and stuff, that must have been pretty powerful stuff back then.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's, that is, yeah, that's mind-blowing when you put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like back to the future was longer ago for me than the <laughs> yeah. war was for the people watching Doctor Who at the time. Yeah. Like that that puts it in perspective.
0: Mhm. Wow. Something else, isn't it?
1: Mhm. Yeah, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that. Oh. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing like when I think about the plot of this and the Daleks' plan, and, like, it's a stupid-ass plan. I'm sorry. It's just dumb. Uh, it doesn't make any Let's sense. Let's drive a planet together. Let's hotwire a planet <laughs> I know. and drive around the universe. Yeah, they're just going to go joyriding, basically. They're going to be cruising up and down the Milky Way, just like those, you know, rebellious teenagers. Well,
0: you know, in Star Wars spoilers, I wonder if this is how Starkiller Base got... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's start, you know, as a planet. Uh, hollowing first. out the planet. Mm-hmm. Let's haul around and blo- and mm-hmm. put a big giant weapon in it. it uh, does, do you- it's not that far fetched. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they wanted to do to it with it. You know. Oh
1: boy. Um, so so yes. I mean, all of that is is laughable and ridiculous, and their their whole plan for getting really it can't. done. And the Robo Men are kind of Stop balls. Um, oh, yeah. Just it, it it's bonkers stuff. But the the mood of this whole thing. The post-apocalyptic... Yeah. It was just... I didn't want to stop watching.
0: Because you love that kind of stuff.
1: I do. Oh, this is my bread and butter.
0: Why haven't we watched Survivors yet? The original... Because oh, Terry yeah. Nation wrote Survivors. Oh, And man. you can totally see where he mm-hmm. is really... Like, you know... There's other episodes of the Doctor Who later on, I think, that deal with, like, plague and mm-hmm. other things that sort of, you know,
1: war That's and
0: everything. Post-apocalyptic is, like, his middle name in a way.
1: That's my butter zone man. Yeah,
0: it is. <laughs> now, look at this. And there's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. world building. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, the world word gets around that London's been bombed and blown up and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone sort of talks about that.
1: Alligators in the sewer. Alligators. Escape from the zoo. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, but people going to department stores and finding tons of food and stuff Mm -hmm. and and lots of that's yeah this is this is my kind of fiction i (laughs) I love this bleak
0: that's funny i love i love that you know you enjoy your 1940s screwball comedies Mm -hmm. and musicals and stuff Uh but once holly once movies get a little too real (laughs) that's when you sort of tune out yep but if as long as it's like in the future or science fiction <laughs> fantasy as complete desolation, you're fine with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't want the real world to be this way. Okay. And I think for me, the 1960s seem fairly fictional in the first place because it's so long ago and <laughs> it right. was and it was the UK, so not something I'm familiar with. So I guess I guess I'm okay seeing that be you know. hmm It's it's I, it's I don't know the whole post-apocalyptic thing. I cannot explain why my brain likes it, but I'm not yeah. alone. Lots of people do. Oh yeah, yeah. And they, I, f- I feel like they did a really, really good job with it. So even though uh, the the plot is pretty silly, mm-hmm. um, I still, even though you know, and the Daleks themselves are also pretty silly,
0: they get a bit silly. Mm-hmm.
1: But it it still works for me. They're scary enough, and you know, the idea of the Robo is scary enough to to make it work for me, even though. I don't know that it's realized all that well, those helmets. Although, I mean, even speaking of the Roman men and stuff being dark, like, uh-huh. oh, my God, that scene where it was Lenny. was it Larry. Larry. Larry
0: and his brother Phil.
1: Oh, holy cow. Yeah. I was, my stomach just dropped to the floor. I, oh, my, I, I'm still kind of shocked because I felt kind of like going into this story, I knew enough about it that it wasn't going to seem particularly new to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been hearing about it on podcasts for many, many years and may have even read the target book. I don't remember, but that was long, 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 long ago. Uh, yeah. Seeing that scene, that was something that I don't remember ever hearing about, or if I did, I'd forgotten. And it was, that was so dark, but moving at the same time. And I mean, and also Dortmund and his, his end, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sacrificing himself to distract the Daleks from from Barbara and Jenny and also testing out his bomb to see if it worked. Yeah, and he, it didn't. Also, hooray for having a character in a wheelchair who's not some crazy maniac, mm-hmm. who's actually a really intelligent, driven, passionate fellow who just, you know, wants to help other people and get his planet back and, you know, ends up doing a, you know... <laughs> An awfully wonderful and sad thing, sacrificing himself to save other people. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Also, speaking of representation, at least half the extras in this thing were women.
0: Pretty impressive, of that and that base.
1: And a crap ton of, like, the, the speaking parts that were, you know, like, uh, Jenny was... A really cool character that character could have been a guy mm-hmm. very easily there's nothing gendered about that that performance about that character i mean i think they may have been making some sort of a comment on how bad the world is by making this really harsh character be female like you know Good if man. a if a woman has, has been brought to this point that she is no longer feeling and caring oh my god how bad is it mm-hmm. but beyond that and that's kind of metatextual <coughs> and i'm you know maybe just completely reading that into it um there's nothing about that character that, that is, is specific to to being a woman. And, you know, you get those other two women in the uh who are making clothes. The women
0: in the wood as the they're the credited, woods. yeah. Yes.
1: Um who are just nasty, you know, out for themselves people, you know, eating sugar by the handful yep. at the end. Like that was also characters could have totally been totally been Guys, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. I just feel like the 60s in some ways were so much better than what we got in the 70s, and 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially of Doctor Who, but I mean, of many other things as well. I mean, even television today, when I'm thinking about if I were to see a scene in a post apocalyptic world of a bunch of slaves going into and out of a mine, mm-hmm. I would not expect to see a whole bunch of women there i mean it it certainly wouldn't because i was not expecting it i was shocked to see that and i was not shocked to see it just because it was the 60s i was shocked just to see it on television (laughs) you know
0: I, i i want i'm just wondering this right now and i hope i'm not completely out of line or wrong about this but i'm wondering if you know this this kind of predates you know the more popular feminists and women's lib movements of the day and perhaps um you know those kind of movements weren't necessarily prevalent in the male minds who were writing and creating all this. Therefore it wasn't seen as much of a threat. I'm wondering if once <laughs> feminis- feminists and women's lips started, you know, becoming a thing in the late sixties and early seventies, then it was almost like an autonomic response from the male writers, oh, to no. sort of like write against that. Like they're suddenly aware of feminism, mm-hmm. they want to keep it down, and that's why. Oh geez, that's why women are portrayed mm-hmm. even worse in the 1970s and
1: 80s. That's a dark thought, but uh, <laughs> maybe you're right. Well, I'm, I don't. I don't know that I want to ascribe that to the consciousnesses yeah. or subconsciousnesses of the uh, the writers later. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess anything's possible. Yeah. Yep. But either way, it was it was very cool to see this. I mean, Barbara is you know a mover and a shaker all the way through this. Mm -hmm. I loved watching her mow down a Dalek and just like afterwards the little smile on her face and seeing how much she enjoyed it. (laughs) I Rather enjoyed that. Yeah, go Babs. Yeah. Yep. That was. And she finagles her
0: way into uh, Dalek control there Mm -hmm. and uh, rattles off a bunch of uh, human history. Yeah. Boston Tea Party, Hannibal. I uh, mean,
1: when it comes to like the smart stuff and getting things done. She she was kind of the winner uh, between you know her and Ian. Ian. Ian had the one smart move of putting the uh, the logs mm-hmm. in the way of the uh, explosion capsule. But other than that, he's mostly just running around and and hanging out with dudes. And, Pretty uh, much yeah, I'm just you know. <laughs> hanging out with dudes. <laughs> I mean, he was he was still being cool. Like, yeah yeah, you know, I love Ian. Ian. Yep. Mm hmm. But uh, but Barbara was the one who was thinking. Barbara and the Doctor who. I thought it was very interesting how the doctor is treated as, like, not just by, you know, Susan and, and Barbara and Ian, but by these other characters, Tyler and stuff. Yeah. You know, saying, like, you know, I've been with you long enough to know to do what you say the first time or, you know, whatever yeah. that line is. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, the doctor really... I remember reading somewhere that that the second episode of this story is really where the doctor sort of comes into his own as far as his M.O. for the rest of his life. Oh, really? Yes. Whereas before this, he had mostly been, you know, showing up at a place and then, you know, being curious about it and trying to find things out. But then mostly just running away and trying to get back to the TARDIS and and get out and only solving things if that was sort of you know what was required or if he had he had gotten them into it themselves this is the first time that we actually see him come into a situation look around take stock and say you know what this will not stand we need to do something about this Mm -hmm. and he does it he does it right away as soon as he recognizes the daleks so it's kind where of cool. You, where did
0: you read that or hear I, about that? Because it sounds familiar now that you talk about
1: it. I wish I could remember.
0: You know what? I, if you're listening
1: to the po- this podcast and that was you, um, please let us know.
0: <laughs> it might it might have also been uh, Peter Capaldi's speech in Into the Dalek. Although I think he was referring to the very first Dalek story. Mm. And that he didn't realize who he was until he met the Daleks, basically. He realized mm-hmm. that he couldn't be them. And that's why he had to stop them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what he does in this episode.
1: Yeah. You know? And I mean, it's it's. Instantly, as soon as he recognizes that it's yeah. the Daleks, that's when... And I, I'm not entirely sure how this story really fits in with the, uh, the whole timeline of the Daleks. I say, oh, that's you know, way in our future.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, how did they
1: end up stuck back on the planet and only able to move? But whatever. I don't care. I don't want to know.
0: No, no, no. That, um, the da- I, think, I think this is timeline-wise sequential.
1: This is... No, it, I don't think so. It's later. But then, why did the doctor say, "Oh, but that happened to you know a million, you know a bunch of years"? Yeah, he says, "Oh, that happened way in you know this is this is back in the past. That happened way in the Daleks' future." I'm pretty sure that's what he said. I don't remember now. Well,
0: no. Anyway. Well, I'm confused. I That's should go okay. listen to the dialogue again, I guess. But,
1: uh, yeah, well, maybe we should have had subtitles on. Sometimes we do. I feel like
0: we need to have subtitles on. I don't
1: on. like having subtitles on because then no. I spend the whole time watching the subtitles because yeah. I'm a reader.
0: So. What else did you notice when you we were watching? Anything? Uh,
1: um, God, did, lots of things. Did, yeah,
0: did you notice the direction? Well... <laughs> Richard Martin is not my favorite. No, reaction.
1: the one time I specifically noticed the direction was during the the big climactic fight scene outside of the Dalek saucer. Yeah, when it, when I had no idea what was going on or who was where, and <laughs> it was, it was like a all wide smoke shot and it a bunch it of smoke, ugh. and maybe cut
0: to another camera angle. I guess mm-hmm. something's happening. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah,
1: that was that was kind of a mess. Why did you have specific problems with the direction? There were just, just
0: a few just cuts away to whatever, and then just mm-hmm. odd shots. I remember those the one time when two robomen are attacking Tyler, uh, David, and Susan in the uh, in the cellar, or sewer rather, and and one, no, I, it's somewhere else. I can't remember, but I think it's in the ship. Mm-hmm. And the camera sort of kind of almost pans up, and you see like the bottom, like the feet of a guy on the upper plank, and then it, I guess it kind yes. of maybe swoons mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. And then cuts away, <laughs> like, what was that shot for? I don't... Yes,
1: why were you showing us that guy? He didn't have a yeah. chance to do anything.
0: And and as we'll see in later episodes, because Richard Martin directs more of them, but when he, some, you know, he'll have, like, four Daleks in one shot, and he'll just stay on that shot. And even though different Daleks are talking, mm-hmm. and you never know which one, because you can't see which lights are flashing, because mm-hmm. that's your main indicator. And they're all moving around, so mm-hmm. you can't really judge that. And so they're, like, dispensing important... You know, bits of the plot, but it's just a bunch of noise happening on a wide static mm-hmm. shot. But,
1: yeah, we had some of that too.
0: Yeah, so I've never been—I've never been happy with Richard Martin's directing.
1: Yeah, he's not going to win any awards in my book. No. That's for and sure. And he
0: only directs Dalek's, Dalek episodes for the most part. Really? In his uh, two-year tenure on Doctor Who, yeah,
1: weird. Does
0: two more stories. He did—he did a half of the. Um, the first Alex story Christopher Barry did uh, Other episodes in that I can't remember what the, the mm-hmm. Split off was And then he did this one And he does Another one And then another story And then that's it It's odd He, he I, Apparently he didn't like Verity Lambert But he only worked For Doctor Who When Verity Lambert Was producer So Weird Yeah
1: Well maybe whoever took over Was like oh his stuff sucked So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's, let's not use him anymore Let's not
0: do that mm-hmm. Yeah Yep Ah uh, so, um, I, I feel like, our, I hope we're not getting, like, we've only been talking for like 20 minutes and there's like five episodes
1: worth of stuff. That's okay. Here. We, this is, this, we talk for as long as we need to talk. Yes. You know, it seems like the longer that we've been doing this podcast, the longer we've been talking about every single episode. And I feel like we don't really need to spend as long, like episode <laughs> length talking about each episode in length. depth yeah. into...
0: That's, that's
1: not necessary.
0: Um, I want noti- to talk about things that I noticed for the first time in episode two. In the background, uh, there was an extra who I recognized as Pat Gorman. It's the <laughs> first time I recognized Pat Gorman. Um, I will point out Pat Gorman every time now that we watch <laughs> Doctor Who. Because Pat Gorman is a legendary BBC extra. Uh, who was, I see him in other BBC shows as well, some in Fawlty Towers and probably Blake 7 and a few other things. But Pat Gorman, uh, I think, has been in literally, ooh, 20 to 30% of every Doctor Who story. You'll see him in the background, sometimes I'll have a line. Like, I'm, I think his last appearance in Doctor Who is in the Caves of Anzani. Wow. He's just an extra. He's, that's what his gig is. He mm-hmm. just shows up and is an extra, and you see him in the background. Sometimes there's different characters in the same episode <laughs> or story or something like that, and I just look, oh, God, it's Pat Gorman right there. You know, he's, he's sometimes in creature suits as well. He is just your working man's BBC actor kind of guy who's just always in the background, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I was quite overjoyed to see him in the background there. Made me happy.
1: That's nice. Yeah. Speaking of casting, I yep. think th- this was a really well cast <laughs> story. Everybody was good.
0: Bernard Kay is excellent. He played Tyler.
1: He was good. He
0: is really good. Yep. Yeah. I was
1: very, very impressed with him. Yeah. Um, the guy that played David, also good.
0: Peter Fraser.
1: Actual chemistry there. Um, yeah. He, with David and Susan, which I, I don't know. Somehow I wasn't expecting. People have a tendency to. Um, I'm not gonna say slag off Susan's leaving story, but...
0: Really? Underplay it, perhaps? undersell it? Yeah,
1: I guess. what you know, not particularly... I mean, I've heard people that, that like it as well, but, you know, people who are unflattering about it, you know, but the doctor basically just locking her out of the TARDIS and leaving, you know, using that sort of as a joke. But now that I've actually seen it happen,
0: it's not a joke at all. No. Yeah, what did you think of this? I mean, uh, there are there are you know there are parts of that scene which are are more famous than the story which uh, they come from. Now, mm-hmm. uh, how did it how did it feel to sort of see all that in context
1: play out? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the romance between the two of them, while they were kind of trying to build it up, and I feel like this was a failure of direction as much as writing, mm-hmm. and they didn't uh, didn't do as much as they could have with that. I right. think to to really highlight it and showcase it but i mean with enough headcanon and you don't need to use very much um to sort of fill in the gaps you can think okay because david was talking to susan about um her leaving and i can't remember exactly what the conversation was earlier on it's very clear that she has explained to him that she is not from here and and all that so if they're having conversations like that they've been spending a lot of time together, they've been talking, having heart to hearts, et cetera, et cetera. So I mean I, I had to kind of fill in those gaps a little bit myself to to really make the romance work out. But mm-hmm. like I said, the actors also had good chemistry, so there was that. Um,
0: you know you know and I I, I oftentimes they won't show much. It's a kid's show after all. So they won't show much in the way of romance and all that sort of true. thing. And adult relationships. And I look at it when Tyler stabbed a man and then just put his knife back in his coat. There's no blood in the knife. There's no nope. blood in the knife. There's mm-hmm. no details in the relationship. Sometimes you just sort of have to yep. mm-hmm. draw those lines together well, we yourself. we did
1: get a smoochy smooch.
0: Very rare in Doctor Who that was. Yeah. Yes. I, was,
1: I was like, whoa. I know. Mm-hmm. I love
0: the doctor's line. Something's cooking.
1: Something's cooking. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was really neat, too. And, and, you know, I felt like I had to fill a little bit of this in uh, with my head, too. Which, again, kid, kids show. Yep. But just the doctor having treated Susan like such a child all the way along. And then, you know, I think back in the censorites was the first time that he was getting an inkling that, oh, she's grown up. She's not just a little kid mm-hmm. anymore. So we've seen uh, a little bit of that. But he, I mean, I, pointing at... Planet of Giants for anything character-wise yeah, yeah. is 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 stupid, so I'm going to ignore the fact that every single character in that story just, you know, backslid. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than that, I feel like um, she was growing up and the Doctor was noticing it, and very, very clearly he's recognizing here, oh, you know, I I get the impression the Doctor's been in love before. I mean, we kind of saw it with Kamika. um did, So he recognizes that in her and does want her to have a a place where she belongs and yeah if you extrapolate it and really think about it uh maybe that wasn't the kindest thing for him to do overall but
0: but as he says at the very end he mm-hmm. you he knew that you could never leave him yep you know and that and that's 100% true and i lo- i love the moment where you know um Susan says to the doctor, you know, oh, David thinks we should do this and this. And, and, you know, the doctor says, oh, really, I'm the one in charge, blah, blah, blah. But then he sees how much mm-hmm. he means to her already during that scene. And so yep. then tells David the very thing that he mm-hmm. he has actually suggested. Yeah. And that it's almost kind of a like a subtle blessing of their relationship and mm-hmm. of him, you know, that, you yep. know. I can see how important Mm -hmm. he is. It's interesting, actually, because, I don't know if you noticed, but episode four, uh, the doctor gets up, goes shh, and then falls, and it passes out for the rest of the episode.
1: Yeah, I did.
0: Uh, That wasn't a planned vacation for William Hartnell. No, uh, in the previous episode, remember when he was sort of taken off a little mind control device and sort of like was led down the Mm -hmm. gangplank? As that scene was shot, or perhaps after it cut away or during rehearsal, I can't Mm -hmm. remember which... Um, the guy helping him actually like he lost control and they sort of ran into some scenery and hurt his back.
1: Oh, no. So he had
0: to take the next week off. But because that happened, it almost, I think, helped cement David and Susan together because the doctor was going to mm-hmm. be in those scenes.
1: Ah. And it mm-hmm. would have
0: had some of the lines that David actually spelled it. But the fact that actually Willem Hartnell fell ill for that week, it kind of brought those two characters together. That's serendipity in a way, wow. isn't it? Wow, yeah. it
1: is. And, you know, it also spoke well, I think, for David as a character in that scene that you were talking about where the doctor you know, repeated his own plan back to him. We had uh, him asking the doctor, mm-hmm. what, what do you think we should do? You're the, the elder member of our party. And that wasn't something Susan put him up to. That was just him being a good kid and, mm-hmm. and you know, being kind to the grandfather of the woman that he has started to care for. So, so yeah. Well, I mean, once it came to the end, I was... I was on board with this relationship mm-hmm. and I was even knowing that it was coming and knowing what was going to happen. And even knowing she was going to be left outside of the TARDIS with only one shoe. I,
0: <laughs> Yep. I was this is a department store. There's enough food there. There's tons <laughs> I, of shoes. Don't worry about her.
1: I was, I was taken by surprise at how affecting it was. Like I got really weepy, maybe not quite as weepy as you did, but, uh, <laughs>
0: But it's weird how the story grows and grows. You know, the, the, the history and the mystique behind this story uh, just seems to increase with the advancing years, especially whenever there's a tribute done or something like that, like an adventure in space and time. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, this is almost like the turning point of the show in a way, where, where William Hartnell and that um, can feel the, his world changing because mm-hmm. Carol Ann Ford's leaving the show, and they focus a lot on that speech. Yep.
1: yeah yeah I was I was thinking about an adventure in space and time mm-hmm. during during that because that was the last time that I had heard that speech right. given uh, both versions you know? yep and and yeah I just I couldn't help it. I just teared up and you know it, it felt like not just the weight of the of all of the the tributes that have come later, but the weight of the characters mm-hmm. existing as they are at the time. Susan is getting a chance to have to grow these roots that she's never gotten before. And she's found someone that she loves and she's she's going to stay. And the doctor is and that's I'm going to ignore the fact that this is another female character not having agency. Uh, over right. The way she leaves the show. I'm just going to ignore that for a second. Uh, the doctor with his grandchild that he loves and wanting to do the the thing that is the best for her, even if it's not the best thing for him. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, you know, very self-sacrificing. And, you know, I I don't have any kids myself, but my parents, I know, did a lot of things for me that were probably not the most fun or easy thing for them. I mean, they supported me when I moved 1500 miles away to Canada, (laughs) even though they were not happy about me being that far away.
0: I'm the David Campbell in this scenario.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, you are. Uh, So it was it was just really touching to see him to see him do that and i think william hartnell's performance all the way through this was really really good Wasn't but that it though? was just that was masterful i uh-huh. mean even you know flood lines here and there but for the most part he was just electric he was and and we get to that part at the end and it just it just broke my heart mm. yeah it was That was really something. Okay, but now we'll talk about the fact that, yes, we do have a character not getting to make that choice for herself, not getting to take along anything that means anything to her, not getting to properly say goodbye to her friends, who she has traveled with for a while, not getting to properly say goodbye to her grandfather. Mm -hmm. So, and I can understand the narrative, you know, idea that that if she had the chance to do those things, she would never be able to leave, and and that wouldn't happen. But it's still... uh, is slightly irksome from the point of view of, of somebody who likes to be able to make choices. As much as we life. talked
0: about mm-hmm. representation and strong female yes. characters in 1964, mm-hmm. it still is 1964.
1: Right. Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's, it's funny. It's, it's like they're kind of try, trying to have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Susan is all grown up. She is a woman now, so she should be able to go off and make her own life. And yet she's still enough of a child enough of his granddaughter that he's making the decisions for her. So it's like, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too, which... So it it is, you know, if nothing else, it is very interesting fodder for books and essays and podcasts and stuff for years and years to come. It is an interesting decision on the doctor's part.
0: Well, I just think about how families were back then, though. I mean, oftentimes, I bet you children only moved out of their parents house when they became married
1: yeah it's true you
0: know different or, times. or
1: the couple just lived in the house with the family or the couple
0: lived in the house <laughs> with the family or so, you know mm-hmm. the, uh, so it's it's not like young people ran off to, you know, mm-hmm. just live on their own, especially not with a, with a fella. Right. You know?
1: It's also interesting, Morals too, in that, uh, speaking of everybody living together, mm-hmm. that they made it clear very early on that that is something that David just would not do.
0: We get married. They get, they, they, are there religious
1: institutions I didn't still mean, and I didn't. I did, uh, 2164? Not yeah. the marriage part, but the, oh, going, the running away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he oh, was like, I see no, this, mean, is, yeah.
1: this is my my world, this is my planet. Yeah, and that was, that was the thing, the argument, not the argument, the discussion that they were having that made me yeah. realize that they had really been talking and that Susan had explained who she was because yeah. he was saying this is my my world, mm-hmm. clearly recognizing that it was not her world. And, you know, I think Susan would have been the most happy if David could have just come along with them and then mm-hmm. they would have been one big happy family and that would not have been a happy thing for him. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I feel a little bit emotionally wrung out now.
0: It's a hell of a story. I mean, apart from the the crazy B movie plot of Daleks piloting planets. It
1: did feel like, I mean, in one way, it really felt like a B movie. I actually had that thought. Like, this is very serialized (laughs) 60s. The crazy
0: Slither uh, creature that was there. Really, just to provide a cliffhanger for one of the episodes. Yeah. It's just
1: a a little. A little monster, weird plot, uh, you know, crazy '60s control room. Like, it, I felt like I was watching one of those like serial yeah. things that you'd see on The Muppet Babies or right. Mystery Science Theater 3000 or something. But it also had the great, the great setting, the great mood, everything. Yeah. You know, even the and music, it moves. Uh-huh. which was weird in places. Yeah, yeah. All the drums, all the drums. Bad yeah. things are happening. It's drums or mm-hmm. piano.
0: I just, I, you know, it, it didn't feel like a, a slog for me, mainly mm-hmm. because it started in London. The operation ends in London. everybody scatters because they have to survive. And so everything just sort of naturally moved up to Bedfordshire. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like six episodes like in the same place. True. In a runaround. It was actually moving around a bit. And so mm-hmm. therefore it didn't. I find it's a great story. Every time I mm-hmm. watch the story, I, I, get, I become more and more of a fan of it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best.
1: I felt like they felt like the episodes two, three, four. Like the, there were moments where there were sort of lulls for me, but oh really, yeah. yeah. Just and those were the times where I was kind of bored by all the runaround and stuff, mm-hmm. and the you know battle scene that was so poorly directed.
0: Right, but but was actually important for the for mm-hmm. the course of the story. Yeah, because that's what propelled oh, yeah. everyone to go to. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like some of the shows that you've been watching recently where you watch and then the fight scenes, gunfight starts. Okay, time to clear away the dishes until it's back. You know, there's mm-hmm. more. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yep. No, it definitely had good narrative purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just unclear as to uh, as what was happening at the time. Yeah. So. And- yeah, all the running around that, you know, I was thinking, well, it's not running through corridors, it's running through London, so that's at least a little bit better. Yep,
0: and they had to get from there to the museum. They actually mm-hmm. said it's going to be dangerous, so there we Daleks around. Yep. They had to show it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Running down the middle of the road on Westminster Bridge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Middle of the road.
1: It's fun stuff. It's
0: pretty fun stuff. Fun episode. So,
1: yeah, that was really good. Huge yeah, then- location
0: shoot as well. Mm-hmm. Tons of location shooting for the first time ever.
1: Yeah, maybe that was another part of why I was just so engrossed. It was just interesting to be like, where are they going to be in the next scene, in the next shot? Mm-hmm.
0: Even even the fun. shots of the uh, guys running out of the mine and like overturning Daleks, like that was a huge, that was a <laughs> yes. huge thing. You know, there's mm-hmm. a ton of extras in there on a minischool budget like Doctor Who had. This, this just felt you epic know, for its yeah, it, it felt epic. epic for its age. It was cool. Yep, it's cool watching them stretch their boundaries a little bit.
1: Yeah, this is a good one.
0: Awesome. Next, uh, next episode, which we won't watch tonight, no, is the powerful enemy part one of the rescue.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I knew that that was coming next.
0: Oh, I you did. You check well, yeah, your episode guide, or
1: no? I just know because I know Susan left, and I know who joins us next time, and I know oh. what what story that happens in.
0: Who gets rescued? Do you know? Do you know the uh, production code? K.
1: No, this was K. Oh, you weren't asking about this one? No.
0: Oh, oh then yes, you were right. Then I thought you meant the next one.
1: I'm totally fibbing to oh. pretend that I got it right. Oh. <laughs> so that would be L. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, until L.
0: <laughs> until L. <laughs> All right. Good
1: night, folks. Bye, bye. <phone rings>